the best news ever, the best news ever, when you think about it, that we're set free from the penalty of sin. I mean, that is the best news ever. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Romans chapter 6 and uh, just work through the chapter. Uh, going to let the word... Um, hopefully just speak for itself. It doesn't need, I mean, I mean, Romans obviously is a pretty deep spiritual book, but um, you know what, if you just take it at face value and, and you know, every time you read this chapter now, you could think of that song. All right, so let's get into it and uh, we'll see how far we get. So Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So there were those in Rome that were challenging what Paul was teaching. And actually in uh, chapter 5, verses 20 through 21, it gives the impression that um, the more you sin, the more grace you get. So why not? You know, the thought is that um, if, if that's the case, then why don't we just keep on sinning so we have all this grace in our life? And Paul is saying, no, 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 wait a minute. You know, that's, that's not the way it is. And that, that mindset was anti antinomianism, right? And it's a long word for basically it just means that, um, that they were freed by grace, that grace freed them from um, keeping the law. And, you know, of course, we're not bound by the law anymore, but we're not called to be lawless either, right? So... In chapter 6, Paul, he, he answers their response. That's what he's doing in this chapter. And he answers them, uh, and he uses three key words to do it. The first one is no. And in verse 3, it says, or do you not know? Verse 6, knowing this. Verse 9, knowing that. And verse 16, do you not know? That's one of the words. And then another one is reckon or consider. In verse 11, he says, Likewise, you also reckon or consider yourselves to be dead to sin. And then the last word is present. In verse 13, he talks about to present yourselves to God. And then another sequence of words that he uses through this chapter is, um, well, he uses it in three tenses, death, died, and, de and, and dead. Roughly 17 times he uses that word. In verse 2, he says, we who died to sin. In verse 5, that united with him in death. In verse 6, we know that the old self was crucified. And then verse 11, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. And, you know, there's, there's 14 more of them. So I think we can safely say that the Lord wants us to know that we're alive in Christ and dead to sin. And, you know, we think about, you know, okay, so, um, you know, what's the big deal? Well, we're going to look at that. But just right up front, um, you know, the thing is, when we get saved, we're excited about, you know, I, I remember the day I got saved. It was like the happiest day of my life. And then life set in. And slowly but surely, um, living out that process of sanctification in my life, you start sometimes to lose that joy, right? 
And Paul is going to talk about, he's going to talk about that. And it's, it's, it's long term for us. So for us as believers, the power of sin is broken in our lives. And we need to know that. We need to, we, we need to know that without any doubt at all. That that's, that's the, a reality of the Christian faith. So what does dead to sin, what doesn't it mean? Well, dead to sin doesn't mean that we're sinless, there's, that there's this sinless perfection in our lives, right? First John 1 John 1.8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So being dead to sin doesn't mean the old nature is gone either. Galatians 5.17 tells us, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Ever been there? <laughs> Doing things that you, <laughs> you don't wish. Well, you know what? The next time that happens, you can go to a mirror in the house, and you, look, you can look in the mirror and you can say, No, I'm dead to that. Tell yourself, I'm dead to the power of sin. I don't have to do that. Before we got saved, we didn't have a choice. We were slaves to that nature. But when, you know, we're going to get to that. When we're born again, we've been set free. Just think about that. When you wake up tomorrow in a new year, think about that. You're set free from that power in your life. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're Slaves to righteousness. So, and we're not, you know, we're not talking, we're talking about the power of sin. We know as believers that um, it's not about the penalty of sin. When we got saved, the penalty of sin was covered under the cross. So the thing is, we, what we do is we, we miss the fact that the power of sin has been defeated in our lives. And it's something that we really need to, to grab a hold of and understand. Before we were in Christ, like I said, sin was the master and we were the slave. But in Christ, all that changes. In Christ, we're dead to the power of sin and alive in Christ. So this incredible transforming promise of Romans 6 is that the power of sin is broken in our lives. And I'm going to, I'll just keep reminding you guys of that. You might get tired of hearing it by the end of the service, but hopefully it'll stick in your head. So something to help us understand what Paul is saying as we go through this chapter is that he's presenting his um, rebuttal or his argument or his response back to this whole thought. And um, it's important for us to understand two things, our position in Christ in our practice or our state or our standing in state. You know, our position in Christ is perfect because of the cross. But our practice or our state, that's our walk. That's our living out our everyday life. And Paul is going to refer back and forth to those, those two principles. So it's important uh, for us to understand that. The first 10 verses, Paul's going to present the truth of our identification um, with Christ in his death and resurrection. That's our position, who we are in Christ. And then the rest of the chapter, he's going to exhort us to live or to practice in the light of that truth. That's why it's so important to be in the Word, 
That's why it's so important to study the word so we understand really what the expectation is that God has for us, you know, how we should live, uh, why we should do the things that we do. It's, it's all there. So in verse 2, Paul, Paul's response to their thought is certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So Paul's thought um, of a believer living in sin and taking advantage of grace for Paul, that was like a, a reprehensible. He, didn't even, he couldn't even imagine it. And, you know, hopefully that's the mindset that we have, that even that thought would, would just be disturbing to us. So that's a, a positional truth. When Jesus died, he died as our representative. Our, he was our substitute. He died in our place as us. So important for us to understand that. Therefore, when he died, we died. Jesus died to the whole question of sin, right? And he's settled it once and for all, right? He doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that we're going to be sinless. It means that we are identified with Christ in his death and in all that his death means, that's really an important truth to grab hold of. The reason believers should not live in sin is that they've died to sin. And Paul's going to explain that by using a picture of baptism. And you would think, now he starts out, and this is, I was still trying to try to figure out Paul's mindset as he says this. But in started, let's read verses 3 through 6. He says, Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized unto his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. And that newness of life, though I was thinking about it, is we should, um, that we should live a new kind of life. We're called to something different. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So Paul is encouraging them saying, hey, you know what, we don't give in to sin because the fact is we're dead to it. You don't have to give in to it. We've been delivered. And he uses a picture of what he's talking about when he talks about being dead to sin when he talks about baptism. And, you know, he says, and this is that first one of the three words, um, do you, you know, the word know. And he says, or do you not know? And I was trying to think about that because I was trying to put myself in their shoes and think, okay, um, did I not remember or know that when I was baptized, I was baptized into his death? Now, I'm thinking almost, probably almost all of us in this room have been baptized, right? All right we understand what that means, you know, that... When we're born again, we're baptized into the body of Christ, right? We're, 
we identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So what Paul is saying, first of all, what he's not saying is that we're not saved by baptism, just so we get that straight. But he's saying that, you know, don't you know when you were baptized, you were baptized into his death. You know, when you go under the water, that's what that represents. You're buried, right? And then he says, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. You know, when we came out of the, when we came out of the water, right, we, that's that, that resurrection. We go in as sons of Adam, daughters of Adam, we come out in Christ. And what he's saying is that, you know, don't you remember what that meant? Why would you want to sin? Why would you want to do anything to affect your relationship with God? You're already dead to that. The price has already been paid. No matter how strong the desire is to do that, you don't have to. You know, and it was, it's so nice to know you have an out. <laughs> Before we were saved, we didn't. You might, not, you might have had some self-control then, but um, you didn't have the ability to do it. So I want to read, um, in, verse, in verse 5 it says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. And it's talking about um, carnality. We're not called to be carnal. We got saved. You know, that's, that's been buried. That's, you know, that's, that's dead and gone, that carnality. Even though it still lingers, there's that temptation. You know, but we've been saved to serve Christ. And in Colossians chapter 3, Paul kind of gives a little bit of kind of shed some light on the whole thing that he's talking to the Romans about. And I think it kind of lends to what he's saying, and it definitely helped us out. So in Colossians chapter 3, uh, I'm going to just read the first um, 11 verses. So it says, If then you were raised with Christ, so Paul is talking about here in verse 5, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things that are, which are above where Christ is. You know, don't get caught up in the whole carnal part of your life. Forget about that. He's, Paul's going to describe that here. Seek those things that are above where Christ is, seated, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For what? What does he say in verse 3? For you died. For you died, right? They didn't actually die, right? But what happened? They died to sin. They died to that old self. And Paul is telling them that. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Why? For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So he says in verse 5, therefore put to death, right? Paul is saying in Romans, you're dead to sin. He's saying put those desires to death. You don't have to give in to them. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. And Paul's going to talk about those members a little further into this chapter. He says, 
um, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. See, Paul is telling them in just a different way. You're dead to that life. You're dead to the power of sin in your life. You've died to that old life. Why do you want to live it? Why do you want to live in it? Why do you want to let it back into your life? In verse 8, but now you yourselves are to what? Put off all these. And he talks anger, wrath, malice. You know, the old life he's talking about. The old you. Filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. That's what he's going to be telling us as we go a little further into Romans. You've put it off. You've put it off, right? And then what's he say? You put it off with, with his deeds and have what? You have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So that, I know it's a, it's a mouthful. It's an awful lot to think about, but that's what Paul's talking about here in Romans. You know, we've died. When, when Jesus died on the cross, that, that power of sin died with him, and we died with him. So really, in a sense, um, we've attended the funeral of our old self when we were baptized. When you came out of the water, you came out as a new creation, a new creature, born again, filled with the Spirit of God. So Paul goes on in verse 6, he says, Knowing this, that your old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away and in some versions it says, rendered inoperative, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You know, that old man who we used to be before we got saved, you know, that old man was crucified at the cross. Crucified. Now think if you really let this kind of settle in, we really alter your life as a believer. When, you know, because, hey, let's be real. You know, we all struggle with it. We all struggle with sin. You know, it's, it's part of our nature, but it's, Paul is saying, but, okay, you know, we understand that, but you know what? You're, you're dead to that. You don't have to give in to that anymore. You don't have to. Look in the mirror. Hey, I'm dead to that. I'm, I don't have to do that. And I'm, I'm not trying to oversimplify it because I deal with it all the time just like you do. We all deal with it. But, you know, the reality is the, the, the position, our position in Christ is we have that victory. The practical part of that is living it out, putting it into practice. So the body of sin doesn't refer to our physical body. Right? Rather, it means the indwelling sin, which is personified as a tyrant, right? Sin is a tyrant. Right, ruling the person is um, is done with, you know, is done away with it. The tyrant or the tyranny of sin is over in our lives. The power of sin is broken. So, in verses seven through ten, 
For he who has died has been freed from sin. I have a little parenthesis in mind, case closed. Right? That's it. Case is closed. Right? That's it. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe. Right? It's one thing to know, but we got to believe it. A lot of us who know it have a hard time believing it. Paul is saying that now if we died with Christ, we believe, we have faith, that we shall also live with him. Here's that word again, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. You know, there's, it's, it's a done deal. What Jesus did at the cross does not, it's done, it's finished. It's a done deal. He dies no more, he doesn't have to die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God or for the glory of God. So just to give you an idea, when it talks about, for he who has died is freed from sin. So you could, my example that I thought of, nobody gets the electric chair anymore, but if somebody were to commit a crime and get lethal injection, right? That would be the penalty. They follow through, um, you know, he gets executed. You know what, that case is closed. It's finished, it's done. He's, he's um, unfortunately passed away, but he's exonerated now, right? He paid the penalty. Case is closed. Just close the book on the case, that's it. You know, and that's what Paul is trying to tell these guys, that the penalty has been paid, the case is closed. That's the mindset we have to have when we deal with sin in our lives. Hey, you know what? I don't have to, I don't have to deal with this. I don't have to give in to this. You know, I don't know about you guys, but that, you know, the more that sinks in, the more liberating I feel. Because whatever the struggle is that we're facing, the victory's already won. We just need to come to terms with that. The penalty's already been paid. The case is closed. Now we just need to believe it. And that's what Paul is telling them. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Sure, and that's talking about life here and in glory. Of course, it's both. But, you know, Jesus said that he wanted to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. If you want the abundant life, you need to believe what the word of God says. You know, that's what's important for us to understand that, to grab hold of that. If God said it, that settled it. You know, we have like all of these little sayings stuck all over. You know, we write them down. Um, you know, the thing is, we need to start, um, we start, have to start living them out. You know, when things get tough. You know, when, when it's in our face, you know, that's when we really need to, to really kind of just dig in and say, okay, God, I have no idea why I, this is happening or that's happening, why I feel this way, but I'm trusting you, Lord. You told me I'm dead to that, and I'm not giving into it. And, you know, it takes a lifetime, and we're never going to get it totally right, but there's going to come a day when we're going to look Jesus in the eye and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, it, it's, um, it's just amazing to know that. We're dead to the power of sin. 
We no longer are the helpless captives of sin. So he says in verse 10, you know, when the Lord died, he died to the whole subject of sin once and for all. So when Jesus died to sin, he died, um, he died to sin's claims, its wages, its demands, and its penalty. He finished the work and settled the account so perfectly that it never needs to be repeated. That is good stuff. He's paid the price. So just to kind of tie verses 1 through 10 together, you know, it's talking about that sanctification, our standing, working towards that, you know, our position in God. Um, we are seen as having died with Christ and having risen, you know, having risen with him. And that's what that picture of baptism was all about. Our death with Christ ends our history as man, men and women in Adam. God's sentence on our old man wasn't, it wasn't reformation, it was death. God didn't reform us. He didn't reform the old man. He killed the old man. The old man is dead. Now we are risen with Christ to walk in newness of life. Sin's tyranny over us has been broken because sin has nothing to say to a dead person. Right? Now we're free to live for God. Now that is the best news ever. Right? So now Paul has described basically what is true to us positionally in those first verses. Now he return now he's going to turn to the practical outworking of this truth in our lives. You know, this is where this is where we live, right? So in verse 11 he says likewise kind of tying it together, you also reckon or consider yourselves, that's our second word, consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And basically what Paul is saying is um, you know, accept what God is saying. Consider it, reckon it so, what God is saying is true about sin and live in the light of what the word says. And that's, right, that's, our, that's what we're called to do, right? We read the word, we study the word, and then, you know, we, we make that application, and then, you know, it becomes more and more alive, right, as we do it, as we experience the power of God through his word. And I think we all could testify to that, that, you could probably give me a, a long list of things that God has done in your life that just kind of are etched in your mind because you read it in the Word, the Holy Spirit maybe brought you to that scripture, um, it, you know, you internalized it, you prayed, and then God brought it to pass. And it's the same thing with our relationship with um, what we're talking about this morning. You know, the reality is that sin has no power to reign over us anymore. We are set free. We are set free, not only from sin, but we're from sin and death. <laughs> it's exciting to know that. You know, when I was thinking about this this morning, I was saying, Lord, you know, it's... 
Man, I know that, you know, we know this, but it's just so good to just think about it again. You know, when I wake up tomorrow morning, it's going to, well, you guys too are going to wake up tomorrow morning. It's going to be a new year, right? It's going to be a new year. And you know what? We're going to, I hope and pray the first thing that comes to your mind, you start the new year just acknowledging the fact that Jesus is still on the throne, that everything that we talked about this morning is real. And that you can walk in newness of life. You can step into next year with that whole mindset that if God is for us, who could be against us? Right? And we don't, you know, we've got to make that, we gotta make that connection. It's got to come from here to here. It's got to become real. And it, one, the more it does, the more you want it. You know? So it's a good thing to be addicted to. It's the word of God and God's presence in your life. So verses 12 through 14. Therefore, he says, because of that, let sin, let, let me, I had a hard time in school. Therefore, do not, do not, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. You know, it's a choice. Paul is telling them, therefore, because of what we're talking about, the very fact that you're dead to the power of sin, that Jesus gave us the victory at the cross, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And then there's our third word, and do not, and do not present yourselves as members your members as instruments or weapons of unrighteousness to sin. But, but, present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not, it shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. So do not let sin reign in your mortal body. When he talks about, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, what members is he talking about? I was thinking about, um, okay, our hands. Our, <laughs> do we use our hands for unrighteousness or do we steal? How about our minds? How about our mouths of things that we say? He's saying, basically, do not present those things, us, as instruments or weapons of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members, your mind, your mouth, your feet, your hands, use them all as instruments of righteousness. You know, he's talking to Paul's encouraging them to use your whole being for what is right. You know, yield all of that, your whole life, everything that you do, everything that you are, to righteousness. You know, it only makes sense because you know what, saints? You're dead to the other life. You're dead. If you believe the gospel, if you believe the word of God, you got baptized for a reason. You know, you made that statement that the old me is dead and the new me was risen with Christ and I'm living for Christ, that's what God's called us to. And Paul is saying, 
That's the practical part of our position in Christ, living it out. So we need to make the application of the truth of God's word practical. Putting it into practice, living it out. And you know what? It requires cooperation. We have an obligation, and I know sometimes we don't like to look at that word obligation or, you know, like we're obligated to do this, but, um, you know, as believers we are. We have an obligation to God. You know, and our obligation is to turn control of who we are to God. Control who we are to God to be used in the cause of righteousness. Sin doesn't have the dominion over the person who is under grace. And you want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because the believer has died to sin. He has received the indwelling Holy Spirit as the power for holy living. And he is motivated by love for the Savior, not by the fear of punishment. You know, it's the love of God that constrains us. We're motivated for our love for God. So now Paul is going to transition from slaves of sin to slaves of God. So in verse 15, he says, what then? Shall we sin or continue to sin because we are not under law but under grace? And once again, Paul says, no. No, right? In, in the Greek, it's really, you can't be any more emphatic when he says, certainly not. You know, God cannot and will not condone sin. You guys all know that. So we're free from the law. But like I said earlier, we're not lawless. Grace means freedom to serve the Lord not to sin against him. And, you know, there are, I know sometimes, you know, you might be thinking, well, yeah, right, who would want to? But there are groups out there that just will tell you, hey, you know, just do what you want to do and just confess it as, confess it, and God will forgive you. You know, it's, it, it's sad, isn't it, to think that somebody would think that way. But uh, when I first got saved, I was in a group that had that kind of mindset. And it was kind of weird, you know, because like you guys, when you first get saved, you just like you can't put the Bible down. So you're reading all this stuff and it's all like new and it's fresh. And then I would go to these Bible studies and I would hear, oh, wow, this isn't this isn't really going. This isn't really lining up with what I've been reading. You know, but there are, there's, there's people out there that believe that um, you can go ahead and just do what you want to do and then just repent after. So, and of course, we know, obviously, that's exactly what Paul is telling them not to do. But it's not, it's not a foreign thought. It's not something that just happened back then. Um, it happens now. So Paul is going to deal with that. In verses um, 16 through 19, he says, Do you not know 
that whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. And I love how Paul is giving them, you know, he kind of presents this option that they have. But then verses 17 and 18, it's almost like they, you know, they, it, like a transition happens in the church and all of a sudden they're starting to get it. So he says in verse 17, but God be thanked that you, that though you were slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered and entrusted. So it almost sounds like that Paul's telling them, yeah, all of this stuff has happened, but hey, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin. And so it's almost like the impression I got that, you know, the, some of these folks are getting it, right? That thank, you know, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered or that doctrine that you were entrusted. And that form of doctrine, of course, is the gospel. You know, that, that they got it. They believed it. It went from their head to their heart. And in verse 18, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. In verse 19, Paul says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness or unto, unto sanctification. So, you know, Paul is just giving, making a simple fact. And back then in Rome, you know, Paul uses this, this example of slavery. Back in Rome at this time, over 50% of the population in Rome were slaves. All kinds of slaves, doctors, lawyers, accountants, you know, I mean, there was um, 50, at least 50%. So what Paul is saying when he's making this analogy about slaves of righteousness or slaves to sin, they, under, they understood the concept of slavery. You know, they understood that, um, you know, who, who you serve, that's who your master was, Right. So Paul's explaining that to them. And in verse 16, it says, um, whose slave or servant are you, basically is the question. And for us, we need to answer that truthfully. You know, who are you serving? Who are you a slave to? Or what are you a slave to? And there's no condemnation in that. Sometimes it's a good thing to think about. You know, what's what's... Um, you know, what's dominant in your head here? What's going on in your heart? You know, what do you, you know, what's taking up that time and that space? What are you focused on? You know, because that's who you become, that's what you become a slave to. So, you know, Paul is, is getting to this point across to them. And, you know, looking across the room, a lot of you guys probably know who Bob Dylan is, right? Everybody knows Bob Dylan, right? He, um, he wrote a song got to serve somebody, right? And a couple lines of the lyrics are, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. 
It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You know, and it's the truth. You're going you're gonna, to, you're serving somebody. And Paul is saying, you know what? You know, become a, a, a servant of righteousness. And I know he's using, the, he, he, he mentions in verse 19 that, you know, he's speaking on human terms because of the weakness of their flesh. You know, so basically he's using the thing with slavery because they understand it. But just so you know, when you, got, when you were born again, you were set free. You were set free to serve God. You know, the slavery thing is, is good for them to understand because they could relate to it. But basically, you know, we need to understand that when we're born again, you know, John chapter 8, Jesus said that, that you know, we were set free. Right? We were set free. So um, we're like a bond servant, right? We, um, we're liberated, but we're saying, hey, you know what? We're still serving you. Pierce my ear, Lord. You know, we want to be a lifetime servant, a doulos for the Lord. So something to remember, sin equals slavery. And the only way to be truly free is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you got to work it out, right? So, you know, they, I really believe that they got it. They understood, you know, when Paul, you know, mentions that, that he thanked God that though, they, that though you were slaves of, of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. And guys, we, we need to, it's got to get into our heart. You know, it's got to be our heart's desire to want to serve the Lord. It's got to be our heart's desire to keep in step with what God is doing in our lives. So let's, um, let's read the last three verses, and then we'll pray. So he says, in verse, starting in verse 20, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But he asked them a question in verse 21. What fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Hmm. So... It's an interesting question, right? You know, what fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? Verse 22, but now, but now, having been set free from sin, praise the Lord, then having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness, or once again, unto sanctification, until the end everlasting life. And then Paul tells you the options. He, he kind of runs down the options. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, when we're slaves of sin, the only freedom we know was the only freedom that we knew was freedom from righteousness. It was a desperate condition to be in, bound by every evil and free from and, and free from any good. In a in a really true sense, as far as a relationship with the Lord. You know, the only thing that we were free from was righteousness when we lived that way.
So Paul challenges them and us to inventory the fruit of an unsaved life. Fruits in those activities of which believers are now ashamed. So I found a few, I found a list. I'm going to just give you a few of those things, the inventory of, um, you know, that unsaved life. Faculties abused. Time squandered. Influence misused. Best friends wronged. Our, our best interest violated. It all sums up to one word, shame. That was the fruit that we had. The end of these things, Paul is saying, is death. Every sin, writes A.T. Pearson, tends to death. And if it persists in, it ends in death and its goal, as its goal, in fruit. (laughs) But, verse 22, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and to end everlasting life. Boy, it's a no-brainer, right? It's a no-brainer. You know, in Christ, you know, we have everything that we need to live a life to please God. You know, and we, we've made that choice. You know, we're born again. Hopefully everybody in this room is born again. You know, but now it's time, it's time to do the work. We're dead to the power of sin. We can say no to sin. We can live righteous lives. We can live in the light that God has called us to live in. We're dead to the power of sin. Paul said that the wages of sin is death. We've been set free from the wages of sin, right? So the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So we have... Life and life more abundantly here now. Eventually, um, however we get there through the rapture or we just pass from this life into glory, we're going to be spending it with the Lord. So as we go into um, 2024, wow. Wow, I remember when I was in high school wondering if I would make it to 2000. So here we are. God has been gracious to us and, um, you know, just the fact that we're here. And, you know, I want to en- encourage you guys. Um, Sarah's going to come up and play Amazing Grace. And, you know, you know, it's, it's by the grace of God that we're all here. You know, right? We're saved by grace, not of works, least no one should boast. And um, just want to let you guys know that there's going to be um, Richard, Pastor Richard, Brian, Al's here. Um, they'll be up here if you want to pray. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this this morning. Um, you know, there is, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of times we feel self-conscious about coming up. But then I thought, you know what, it should be the other way around, if you're, it should be like everybody should be here and people should be feeling self-conscious because they're the only ones sitting still in their seat. Um, you know, prayer, I mean, prayer, we, we, prayer, we, that's our life, right? We pray probably more than we do anything else. But yet 
when you have the opportunity to come and pray with one of the elders or the pastors of the church about anything, you know, and, and you know, believe me, it, there's, I'm not specifying any, you know, there's no category you need to be in to come up to pray. But you could come up and just ask Pastor Richard to pray for the rest of your day. You know, we're believers, right? We believe in prayer. So there is no, um, there shouldn't, you shouldn't feel self-conscious when somebody gives you the opportunity uh, to come up and pray, right? I mean, somebody come up and pray with, for me. I, you know, I mean, we, we all need it. So, you know, amazing grace, right? None of us would be here without it. Um, sounds like a good song to come up and just thank God for his amazing grace. But hey, don't leave here. If you really need prayer, come and get it. If you want to pray, come up for that reason. Guess what I'm saying is that you can't leave unless you... No, I'm just <laughs> No, you know the thing I... Hey, look, we're family. We're family. We have an opportunity to pray. The food's probably almost ready. It's probably not ready yet, so you got some time. But really, um, all kidding aside, um, amazing grace. God is so, so awesome. And um, he just wants us to spend some time with him. So if you want to pray, come up during the song and we'll pray. You guys could come up.